Good morning again. Welcome again. This morning, we are privileged to have a sort of guest preacher. I'm going to invite up Sean James, who is the lay lead for our missions team uh, and is studying in seminary and in kind of exploring the, be- the beginnings of the ordination process with our diocese um, and is as kind of with his... Uh, experience, as you'll hear, um, and his role here at Church Cross, very appropriate, uh, lead the speaker for us today on World Mission Sunday. So as is our custom, uh, even as a member of our community is preaching, I want to invite us to extend a hand and let's pray a blessing and ask for the Holy Spirit's empowerment of Sean as we come to hear his, the word of the Lord through him. Gracious and almighty God, thank you for Sean. Thank you for uh, the gift that he is to our community. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your presence among us, your Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of the word and enlivens our hearts, enlightens us now to see and perceive the truth that your words reveal. And we ask this morning that the gift of Sean, the gift of your word, the gift of your spirit would work together in such a way that we as your people would receive from you what we need and more fully become your own. And we ask that you would grant Sean this morning grace and peace Would he have a sense of your delight in him as he preaches to us this good word that he has prepared? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Good morning. morning. As Peter said, my name is Sean. Um, If I haven't met you yet, uh, please come say hi. Uh, Casey and I, my wife and I, we've been here at Church of the Cross for coming up on three years, which have flown by. And so we've gotten to know a bunch of you, uh, but we'd love to know more of you. Also, as Peter said, I have the blessing of serving on the missions team here at Church of the Cross. Um, The missions team, we get to help Church of the Cross partner with different missionaries, different missions organizations, uh, in doing the work of the kingdom of God in our world. Um, Today, as you've heard, is a special Sunday, World Mission Sunday, where we set aside time to focus and think about the work of missions, which is proclaiming the gospel around the world. Um, We get to share together in the partnership with these different missions partners, and we're going to spend some time talking about them a little bit later this morning. The hope and goal of World Mission Sunday is for us to grow in our imagination together as we think about what God has called us to do in the world. Missions is the work of the church in reaching across cultural, religious, ethnic, and geographic barriers to advance the cause of making disciples of the nations. Uh, We do this here in our neighborhoods, here in the city of Austin, as well as the other side of the planet. Uh, In our scripture readings today, there's a very clear thread. It was hard to miss that today is World Mission Sunday based off of our scriptures. For most of us, these are pretty well-trodden passages if we've been around church for any length of time. Uh, We've heard Matthew 28, or the Great Commission, as many of us have come to know it, uh, where Jesus leads out the path for his disciples to follow. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is a call for every follower of Jesus to live out in their specific faithful way within their own context. This call isn't necessarily some revolutionary thought, as I've already mentioned. Most of us have heard sermons or read about the Great Commission being for all believers to live out. What I live out, what I do want to focus on this morning, though, is how do we go and make disciples? What posture do we approach the work of missions? The Apostle Paul, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, lays out where his ministerial confidence comes from to reach the nations. 
He writes, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God alone, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new confidence, a new covenant. Excuse me. The focus on where confidence and equipping to do the work of missions comes from is where we will be dwelling today. Put simply, to accomplish the work of missions, we must embrace our weakness so that God's strength may be made manifest. Serving in weakness is a posture of humility which, with, with which God's will can be put in motion. Paul makes it clear that he is insufficient to be a minister on his own, but the sufficiency necessary to accomplish God's call is provided by God himself. No amount of striving, planning, education, or resources provides the confidence that was required for his work of making disciples. When we consider missions, Jesus, quite obviously, is the clearest example of God's call for us to reach across cultural, religious, ethnic, and geographic barriers to make disciples. In the incarnation of Christ, we clearly see not just the heart of God to bring about salvation, but also the way of living out that mission. Jesus walked in human weakness so that God's power and glory could be made manifest in the world. He didn't grasp for power, but instead laid laid down his strength and lived in humble obedience to the Father. Jesus even went as far as to say that I myself can do nothing. The ministry that he carried out on earth was fully empowered and directed by the Father. The Apostle Paul followed in Christ's example on his missionary journeys. He told the church in Corinth further on that when he came to them, he resolved to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified because he knew that their faith needed to rest on God's power and not on human wisdom. Missions, by definition, is incarnational. To be missional is to be incarnational, which involves laying down power, embracing weakness, and letting God's power be shown through humility. I'm a big fan of the South African pastor and missionary, Andrew Murray. He wrote this tiny little, I think it was a pamphlet at the time, it's a tiny little book just titled Humility. Uh, And in the end of the 19th century, he wrote it this way, we must present ourselves as empty vessels in which God can dwell and manifest his power and goodness. In our emptiness, as Murray puts it, we are found effective for the sake of the gospel. The commission of Christ is to make disciples And it must be approached in this way. Otherwise, we can easily make it about ourselves and not about Christ. It's hard to talk about missions without involving some of the negative examples of missions and missionaries from throughout history, which some of us are painfully aware of here in our modern context. Crusades and colonialism have been committed in the name of Christianity. Some of us have read books like When Helping Hurts and Toxic Charity, Some of us have even had personal experiences of short-term missions trips gone wrong, where at best we were ineffectual, and at worst we worry that we caused harm. In our specific context here in middle-upper-class educated Austin, I know there are concerns surrounding paternalism when it comes to evangelism and missions, especially when it's oriented towards the poor and the marginalized in our community. All of these are extremely valid concerns and things to consider when we look at what it means to be a Christian who is called to share the gospel with all nations. But I would emphasize and encourage us to look that when we see the example of Christ, we can see that all of these issues arise 
when the mission is being accomplished through human power instead of God's. Those who walk in humility and weakness are always ones who build up and love those who they're ministering to. I have been blessed uh, with some pretty incredible experiences over the years to get to meet folks around the world who are doing this humble work of missions, who are out on the fringes and the cutting edge of what God is doing in his kingdom. A few years back, I had the blessing of participating in a conference in Ukraine that was put on by a church that had built a missionary network, of sending network, that had sent Ukrainians across the world, mostly into closed or prohibited countries for Christians to wander into. And they had been reaping a huge harvest of people coming to know the Lord. At that conference, I got to meet many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have just amazing stories. Uh, one that stood out, though, was from a certain gentleman. This morning, I'm going to call him Timothy. Uh, Timothy was actually not a Ukrainian. He was an individual who had met a Ukrainian missionary in his home country and had come to know Christ through the ministry of that missionary. Um, Timothy's home country is what we would call a closed country. It is illegal or prohibited for Christians to share their faith, for evangelism to take place. And so everything that happened in that country had to be secretive, underground. Um, Timothy, after he came to know Christ, became actively involved in planting and growing these house churches, these secretive enclaves of Christian faith that were seeking to share the gospel with their neighbors in creative and closed ways. Uh, As Timothy was doing all of this stuff and helping plant these churches, he had to go to northwestern China for some business. And as he was there, he actually interacted with a people group called the Uyghurs. Now, some of you may have heard about the Uyghurs in northwestern China over the past few years. Uh, They have been in the news because the Chinese government is actively persecuting them. Um, And some would say, and I think it's somewhat accurate, ethnic cleansing is being attempted on the Uyghur people. Uh, The Uyghurs are being, in large numbers, being uh, taken and put into re-education camps where they return with their ethnic and racial identity being stripped from them, or many of them never even return. And so as Timothy was there interacting with these people, he felt a personal connection to them, and he felt that the Lord was calling him to share the gospel with these people. So when his business uh, dealings had ended on that one visit to China, he went back to his home country and began to talk with his house churches about how are we going to go about sharing the gospel with these folks, these under-resourced, secretive Christians, how are they going to share the gospel? And they came to the conclusion that they were going to send short-term missions trips from their churches to reach the Uyghur people in northwestern China. As he's telling this story, I asked him, uh, well, how long are these trips? How long are these people going to share the gospel with the Uyghurs? And he responded with three to six months, which I was like, whoa, a short-term missions trip in my mind is one, two weeks if you're crazy, maybe a month. Um, And so I had some follow-up questions. I said, what do they do with their responsibilities? Like, what about their jobs uh, that they're providing for their families with? And Timothy kind of responded nonchalantly. Matter of fact, they quit them. Uh, How amazing of an example of walking in just submitted humble weakness is that? It's kind of got all the adjective and buzzwords. It's underground, persecuted, house church Christians in a closed country, sending short-term missionaries sacrificially to reach persecuted Muslim people in communist China. I mean, that's got all of the words you're looking for. It checks all the boxes on the bingo card. 
If I'm honest, it's easy to look at those example, that example and be wowed, but to walk away from knowing, I, what does that mean for me? Uh, we live in such a different context than them. Their context just by nature requires so much more commitment and sacrifice just by the fact of being a Christian in their home country. How do we relate to that? I would say that stories like these of our brothers and sisters in Christ doing the work of missions on the fringes can encourage us and expand our imagination. We don't need to be guilted by their faithfulness, as maybe we're tempted to do, but rather have it spur us forward into the call of making disciples of all nations. So, talking about missions and some examples, how do we live this out as a community here in Austin? Missions, by definition, is a going topic, so I have a couple of ideas of things we can go and do to live this out. There are two specific things that I want to focus on today. Support those who are walking in their weakness and serve in weakness ourselves. First, supporting those who walk in weakness. As a church, we currently have nine mission partners. We invite you to support these mission partners as we do it together as a community. This morning, uh, we've handed out prayer cards. You guys can find them in the back of the seats. Uh, We also have a bunch more out in the lobby. And on those, you'll see uh, a specific missions partner on each card. We have enough for each household to take about two or three. You know, over the next uh, couple of months, see if you can collect them all. I know Pokemon's really high in the the kid group right now, so maybe just make that the new game. Um, Take one of those cards, take a few of them, and let them inform your prayers over the next coming weeks and months. Um, I know paper handouts don't usually make it much further than a jacket pocket or somewhere tucked in your car on the drive home, but uh, I know that's definitely true of us. We've got probably 20 different bulletins stuffed in some different corner of our car right now. I encourage you to take these and put them somewhere prominent, though. Put them up on a fridge, put them on a mirror in your bathroom, somewhere where you're going to see them, and it's going to remind you to pray for these partners. Uh, If you have young kids, include these in your prayer time with them. Living out the missionary call uh, and living in weakness is a really hard life. Embracing our weakness, serving in humility is difficult work, and these partners do it day in and day out. Each of our partners have their own struggles and hardships as they continue to walk in their weakness for the sake of the gospel. And as a church, we can consistently support them in prayer. Uh, One more uh, thing that just is going to help us remember these partners is you guys will see some new decor there by the side entrance. Um, It's a bulletin board with all of our different partners laid out, and you'll see different flags of different nations next to each partner. And that kind of tells what countries, uh, what origin of folks that they are serving uh, in some broad ways. And it's also just another helpful illustration. Specifically, we need to call out Mike Fields. He's been uh, the one leading that charge, uh, as well as getting these prayer cards together for us this morning. So thank you, Mike. Uh, I just want to quickly go over a couple of these partners for us. Uh, You can put them in some different categories. I think the first one would be the diaspora people, uh, people serving the diaspora. Um, Those who are scattered immigrants, refugees who are living, not in their original context, but have been displaced for different reasons. Uh, And for us, they're the ones here in the city. Uh, Jonathan and uh, Lenny Kinberg, most of us know Father Jonathan uh, here. They are leading the missional community in the St. John's neighborhood. But also, Father Jonathan is leading the Diaspora Network that um, 
our diocese as well as our church has been partnering with to help diaspora churches and communities connect with each other uh, and spur each other on for the sake of the gospel. Uh, the Howes, they are in Southern California, specifically focused on reaching uh, Muslim background refugees, a lot of Afghanis and Iraqis, and they're with the organization Pioneers. Uh, and finally, in this kind of group would be Hope Clinic. They're here in Austin providing medical resources for the under-resourced in our city, which a large, large portion of that would be refugees and immigrant folks who just do not have the resources to tend to their medical needs. Another group would be those uh, mission partners of ours who are supporting the sending. As I've said, living out the missional call, living out walking in weakness is a really difficult thing. And it has fraught with all kinds of hardship uh, and different things, especially if you uproot yourself and your family and go to a new geographic and cultural context. And so these partners are specifically focused on helping those who are going be supported, encouraged, and held accountable as they do the work of the gospel. Uh, the Van Allens, Paul and Lisa, some of y'all might know them. They're with Pioneers, and they're focused on uh, supporting those who are reaching the Muslims who are scattered throughout the United States. They've got different teams all over the country. And we have the Hemperleys who are here this morning with us as well. Um, they are with Navigators, and they are supporting those who are sent around the world uh, through that organization to reach the nations. Uh, another bucket would be uh, education. We have Fellowship of Christian Athletes and John Rector. They're focused on reaching students here in East Austin uh, through the Ministry of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And Tim Wong is with InterVarsity uh, with professional and graduate students at the University of Texas creating Christian community and discipleship for them. And finally, uh, we have our international missions partners, those who are actually outside of the United States full-time. Um, and those would be the Abrahams, uh, Guru and Veronica uh, Abraham, they are in India doing church planning, pastoral training, and leading a bunch of different ministry endeavors in their region, as well as Potter's House, which is in Guatemala City, addressing the problems of poverty in a gospel-centric way and bringing those out who are in poverty out of poverty in a way that they come to know Christ in tandem. Thanks for sticking with me on all that. But I encourage you all to go and look through the prayer cards, look at the bulletin board, look through the newsletter. All of their info is in there. In Philippians, Paul calls the Church of Philippi his partners because of their partnership in his ministry work. They don't call him, he doesn't call them his patrons or supporters, but rather his partners. Partners win and lose together. They experience celebration and hardship together. Whatever happens to one partner deeply affects the other. Paul tells the Philippians that he is suffering in his human weakness as he's being persecuted and even imprisoned for his missionary work. He tells them that he is sustained because of their support. Uh, let us support our mission partners in the same way. Uh, throughout this year, we hope as a missions team to provide opportunities to tangibly serve our missions partners. Uh, earlier this month, we had an opportunity for people to come and pack care, pad, care bags that helped um, supply Hope Clinic in their work of providing medical services for the under-resourced in our city. A ton of people showed up for that, which is awesome. Uh, so keep your ears and eyes open uh, for more opportunities like that as the year goes on. Okay, so supporting those who are walking in weakness, this one is going to be a little bit more personal. We ourselves going and serving in weakness. I'm somebody who thrives on security I'm being educated about the context I'm going into, about having confidence about knowing what's coming. 
While these things are not bad in and of themselves, I can easily make them into barriers that prevent me from laying down my strength and instead being used in my weakness. Finding ways to share the truth and life that we have found in Jesus that have changed us completely can place us in really vulnerable places. But this is what it is to not be sufficient in ourselves and to rely instead on the sufficiency of Christ. Very much a part of our call to be a missional people is, to out, is the outreach to the nations. Here in Austin, we have an amazing opportunity that the nations are, in fact, our neighbors. Um, I've got a graphic that uh, Father Jonathan and the Diaspora Network put together, which is super helpful. Um, one in five Austin residents were foreign-born and have come from over 150 different nations. Uh, with numbers like that, it means that we all have some access to the nations ourselves, even if we're not immigrants, uh, whether that's through neighbors, coworkers, or friends. The task of making disciples of all nations is easier to geographically get to than it's ever been before. Uh, the task, uh, missions, uh, sorry, missionaries used to pack their belongings in a coffin when they went to the new place they were going to go share the gospel with because they figured they weren't going to be returning. We instead can go to our next door neighbors. Praise God, right? Um, while the work of geographically sending missions is still very much necessary and very important, so is the call for us to get outside of our comfort, comfortable spaces here at home and pursue relationships with people from different places. Uh, we are a church uh, full of young families, uh, my family very much being a part of that demographic as well. For those of us with kids, this is something we're called to do with them. Um, making relational connections with people in ways that are, are uh, really like meaningful it can be really hard. One of the easiest ways to do it, though, is through our kids. Uh, kids, for some reason, are able to jump over those barriers so much easier than us adults, and it can be a really tangible way of getting to know our neighbors from different places. Uh, we can get out into the neighborhood, we can meet our neighbors, we can be willingly humble and vulnerable. And if we do that, I believe God will do some pretty miraculous things. I'm sure many of us have heard these ideas before, but it's always good, especially speaking for myself, to have a reminder to break out of our routine and to look again around ourselves and see where God may be inviting us to walk. Reaching out to people missionally like this is messy. It's uncomfortable. But that's exactly what walking faithfully in our weakness looks like. Embracing our weakness for the sake of the gospel means walking into places where we haven't figured it all out. It means that we are vulnerable, and it puts us in a posture where we are dependent on God's power to accomplish the Great Commission. In giving his Great Commission, Jesus closes his instructions to his disciples by saying, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We find an amazing opportunity to experience Christ's power and presence when we walk in weakness. Just that alone is enough of a motivator for us to want to see more of Christ, and then we can walk in his invitation to be weak. In closing, uh, these past few weeks, I was encouraged by an anecdote from the story of William Carey. Uh, William Carey is called by many the father of modern missions. Uh, he is one of the main people responsible for reviving our modern perspective of the Great Commission, that it is, in fact, a call for all believers of all times to live out. 
He also began a movement from the West of sending missionaries to Asia, specifically India, to proclaim the gospel. In 1793, at his commissioning service, being sent to India later that month, they closed with the following hymn that I think characterizes the heart of those who are willing to walk in weakness and humility for the sake of making Christ known. And it goes like this. And must I part with all I have, Jesus, my Lord, for thee? This is my joy, since thou hast done much more than this for me. Yes, let it go. One look from thee will more than make amends for all the losses I sustain of credits, riches, and friends. Savior of souls, while I from thee a single smile obtain, though destitute of all things else, I glory in my gain. May God move in us in ways that would make us people who let all things go for the sake of the gospel, so that we may glory together in the gain of Christ. Amen. Amen.